Welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. I pray that the message will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. Hallelujah. Come on and bless the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on and bless the name of Jesus. I'll say yes. I'll say yes. My life is yours. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Bless the Lord one more time for our music ministry. Thank God for Brother Kenton. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, that ministry. Amen. That falls right in line with our word today. For our praise team and, and for our drummer. Amen. Sometimes we don't ever think about our drummer. But we, we love you. Thank you, Josh. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Oh, yes, my life is yours. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Can you give me just a little bit more volume? In Acts chapter 1, from the scripture that was read in your hearing, I want to read again verses 8 and 9. 8 and 9 of Acts chapter 1. Verse 8 says, Jesus is speaking to his disciples but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. I want to talk about on God's real life real-time mission on God's real-life, real-time mission. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it does not return to you void, but it accomplishes all that you desire, and you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. So thank you for sending your word to us today, and thank you for what your word accomplishes in our lives. Our lives belong to you. And we say yes to you today. To your will and to your way. We're on your mission. Thank you, Lord. We commit ourselves to you now. I pray for a fresh anointing of your spirit to minister your word to this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. On God's, on God's real life, real time mission. Up until the time of his crucifixion, Jesus had been with his disciples, had been physically with his disciples, preparing them to carry on the mission God had sent him into the world on. Uh, after the crucifixion, if you know the story, the disciples were despondent. However, the resurrection came, 
And on the third day, God raised Jesus from the dead. Amen. With all power in his hands. And, and after the resurrection, uh, Jesus spent the next 40 days uh, appearing to his disciples on various occasions, uh, buttressing what he had taught them, preparing them uh, uh, to do what he had trained them to do. Because the, the life of Jesus was a training mission to prepare them to fulfill or to carry on the mission of God that Jesus had come to do. Uh, and in our text today, uh, we see Jesus giving them their final instructions before his ascension into heaven. Okay. And they were concerned, as we preached the other Sunday, they were concerned about whether the kingdom of Israel was going to be restored at this time. And Jesus was basically saying to them that you need to get your perspective right. Uh, this is not about politics. It's not a political mission. This is about the kingdom of God. Okay, it's fulfilling God's kingdom. So dates and times and seasons belong to God. Don't worry about that. Your focus should be on receiving the power that I'm going to give you so that you can carry on the mission. Okay, and, and that's what he says. He says, but you will receive power when Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. So this is not about restoring the kingdom of Israel. This is not about the United States being the greatest nation in the world. This is about the kingdom of God, even today. It's about the kingdom of God. It's not about making America great again. It's about advancing the kingdom of God. This is what, this is what your mission is. Uh, this is what I came to do. This is what I'm sending you on. So uh, <clears throat> from that point, they were going, they were going to have to engage the mission of God in real life and real time. Amen. Can we say engage God's mission? Amen. In real life and in real time. Okay, that's good. Without Jesus being physically, <laughs> without Jesus being physically with them. Amen. Without him being physically with them, up until this point now, until this crucifixion, he had been physically with them, all right? And he had been training them, okay? After his crucifixion, after the resurrection, he appears to them again, and he, he uh, on several occasions, over 40 days, to buttress what he had been teaching them. But now, he is about to ascend into heaven. As they're standing there, after he's spoken to them, as they're standing there talking with them, the Bible says after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. So Jesus is taken up. I mean, amen. Don't, you know, sometimes when people don't believe the word, uh, they haven't studied the word enough and they don't believe they wonder how all this happened anything is possible with God so if God said it it happened Jesus was taken up from me ascended into heaven in a cloud and and so he left them not alone but physically you know and, and I believe that the Lord that the Lord is, is dealing with us because uh, a lot of times we want something that we can put our hands on we want something tangible and so un until we have experienced the infilling of Holy Spirit, we don't have this tangible thing. So we, we join the church and we say we believe Jesus, but there's nothing tangible there for us to hold on to. 
And so I think in this text, the Lord, I won't say I think, in this text, the Lord is helping us see that there's a mission that has to be fulfilled, and we don't have, we don't have a tangible Jesus walking with us. We don't have a Jesus that we can see, that we can put our hands on. You remember when Peter, when Thomas doubted, and Jesus had to, Jesus had to confirm his faith, Jesus said, put your hand in my hand. Put your, put your hands in my side and don't be doubting, but believing. And then Jesus said, blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Okay. So we're blessed because we believe, but we've not seen Jesus physically for ourselves. Amen. 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 Yeah. Anyway. So, and of course, they rose to the occasion and they might have been a little bit timid at first because they stayed in that upper room. They had been going in and out of Jerusalem, and he said, now, from this point, you stay here. Stay here until you get the promise of the Father comes, that your Holy Spirit comes. And, and they were in that upper room, amen, and they, they, they took care of business. They were fasting. They were praying. They even fulfilled Jesus, Judas's bishopric, amen. But when Holy Spirit came, uh, they were filled with the power that Christ told them that they were going to be filled with. They were filled with his power. And they rose to the occasion in faith, amen, and allowed the Holy Spirit, allowed Holy Spirit to use them in life-changing, impactful ways. We know the account of Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost. Approximately 3,000 souls were saved. That's Holy Spirit at work. Wasn't just Peter's words. It wasn't that the Peter was so eloquent that he spoke in such a way that his people believed what he said and came to to know Jesus. No, it was Holy Spirit at work. We know the occasion. We know the account of Peter and John going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, and they meet this this man lame from birth, begging for money. And they say, "Well, silver and gold we don't have, but what we have we give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk." And they grab him by the hand and lift him, and he stands up, and immediately he's strengthened in his legs. He's healed. We see how Holy Spirit uses them in an impactful way. Amen. Even though Jesus is not physically with them, Holy Spirit is with them. We know, we, we see, we know the account of the church praying as Peter and later on Paul and, Paul and Silas are thrown in prison and God miraculously delivers them. Yeah. And there are many other accounts, amen, uh, of how the early disciples engaged in real life real-time mission, the mission of God in this world, after Jesus is no longer with them physically. Over the past several weeks, the Lord has reminded me of how important it is for disciples today to engage in his real-life, real-time mission. The Great Commission, and we should know what the Great Commission is, it's not for a select few disciples. Amen. It's for everyone. It's for you. And if you think I'm talking about you now, I'm talking right to you. It's for you. It's for you. Amen. It's for you. <laughs> it's for everyone who follows Jesus. Everyone who claims Jesus as their Savior and their Lord. Amen. Amen. The movement of God's mission sweeps across everyday, ordinary lives to draw 
fathers and mothers and neighbors and friends and classmates and business people and doctors and lawyers and teachers and everyone else you can name to draw them to God. So when God sends you to your doctor for an appointment, it may not necessarily be because that sickness you have is for you, but it may be for that doctor to hear you talk about Jesus. Amen. God put you on that job that you don't like. may not be so much for you, but it might be for somebody on that job to hear about Jesus from you. Every day. And ordinary people. Can someone say ordinary people? You know, James Cleveland wrote a song a long time ago. God uses ordinary people. People who like you and me who are willing to do the Lord's command. Ordinary people. You don't have to have a title. You don't have to have me lay my hands on you and you fall out on the floor. Amen. Amen. You don't have to be ordained. You don't have to be licensed. Just ordinary people. God is saying it's time for ordinary people to rise up and do the work of ministry. You have a mission to complete. You have a mission to fulfill in your generation, in your sphere of influence. Where I have placed you, where I have placed you, you have a part of my mission to fulfill in that place. Real time, real life. Amen. Real time means it happens where you are, right then, right there. Not for you to come back, oh, pastor, there's somebody on my job who needs to hear about Jesus. Can you come and, and, and minister to them? No. God says, I've anointed you. I've sent you. I put you in that place. Yeah. Yeah. Real time, real life. In John 5, 17, in response to those who criticized Jesus for healing the lame man at the pool of Bethesda, if you look at Jesus' life, he just encountered and ministered to people wherever he went. Wherever he went. So he goes, meets this, to the pool of Bethesda. There's a man there. Lame. Lame. People criticize, and, and Jesus says, do you want to be healed? The man immediately, he does what we do. We make an excuse for why we don't have what we have. Or what we think, what we've been asking for. Nobody's here to put me in the pool. I didn't ask you if there was anybody to put you in the pool. I asked you, do you want to be healed? Amen. And Jesus heals the man. But then the people criticize him. And, you know, I've read this scripture over and over and over again. It always speaks to me. And the scripture is always in present tense. Jesus says in verse 17, my father is always at work to this very day. And I too am working. If you are born again, if you claim Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, the same words should be true for you. Repeat this with me. My father is always at work to this very day. And I too am working. Amen. God is at work right now. God is at work. We are to be working right here, right now. Amen. Amen. And when you go out of the sanctuary, 
it's still present tense. When you go on your job tomorrow, it's still present tense. When you go wherever you go next week, it's still present tense. John 5, 17, write it down, read it, memorize it. Amen. My father is always at work, even to this very day. And I too am working. You say, well, Jesus said that almost 2,000 years ago. But he says, my father is what? Always at work, even when? To this very day, and I too am working. Now, if this is not true about your life, make it true from this point forward. Amen. Because for believers, we don't have an excuse. Amen. And we don't get a pass. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. We, we should be confessing that very same thing, and we should be living it every day of our lives. Amen. For every person who claims Jesus, too many people in Christendom do nothing but come to church on Sunday. Sign out for that. Because we can't reach the world for Christ if we're not working with Christ every day on our jobs. Because those people that are on our jobs, they're not in church with us on Sunday. People in school with you, they're not necessarily in anyone's church on a Sunday. Amen? They're not. They're not. The people in Walmart, the people in, in Kohl's, the people in, in, in TJ Maxx, the people in Publix, the people in, 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 in Food Lion, they're not necessarily in church with you. If God connects you with someone while you're shopping, they may not be in the sanctuary with you on a Sunday morning, but right there, right there, that's the time. That's how we win the world for Christ. We have to be at work always, always. Real time, real life, mission. That's the mission of God. That's the mission of God. You say, Bishop, you always talk about the mission work because you're going on a mission trip. I'm on a mission right now to preach the gospel. You hear me? When I was in Publix yesterday, I was on mission. When I went to my family reunion, I was on mission. When I go on vacation, I'm on mission. There's no separation. There's no separation. You don't know that that person you meet in the airport that the Lord connects you with and you start a conversation, he, God connected you for a divine purpose. Always. My wife always reminds me that now what you see Jehovah's Witnesses doing, they're at baggage claim in airports. And they're talking to people as they stand around the baggage claim waiting for their luggage to come. Why are we not doing that? Well, we need to start doing that. I'm commissioning you. Go to Solid Douglas Airport. Go to baggage claim. Find out when the flight. You got to go every day. We'll take you some tracks. Amen. And go to the baggage claim area. Why baggage claim? Because when you, when you get off your flight, you're going to wait 5, 10, 15 minutes before your bags come. And you can go to baggage claim. People up at the counter, they're trying to, they, they're not waiting for you to talk to them because they want to get to the counter. They want to get to their flight. Baggage claim is where they're waiting around. You can't get past security and walk in the terminal on the inside. So go to baggage claim. Nobody's stopping you. Nobody's stopping you. You say, Bishop, that sounds too, too, uh, what do they call it? Much like with Jesus freaks. What are you supposed to be? 
What are we supposed to be? Hmm? Do I have any amens in the house? Am I talking to anybody today? Amen. I don't think we have this problem, but some people, and I was somehow another saw this on Facebook the other day. Some people are waiting to be licensed to preach. I don't think I have that problem. <laughs> so a, but some people are waiting to get behind this, this desk so they can say something to people. No. Many opportunities for you to witness for Christ. That, that nobody, nobody has to say, okay, tomorrow morning we have an evangelism outreach event. Let's come together. Then half of us stay at home anyway. Yeah, opportunities. Opportunities. And, and you know, we, it's time out. For anybody tabernacle of praise, you should never say, I don't know what to say. Never. Never. Not, not in this ministry. You've been taught too well. If you don't know, it's not because the teaching hasn't gone forth. And that's just about, in just about every church, you know, the teaching goes forth, you know, unless we're focused on, you know, we want to go and, oh man, we had church there because we danced and ran up, up, up and down the aisle. We can dance here. We can praise the Lord here. We can fall out, but you still get taught. Amen. I don't know too many times when people say, oh, the anointing was so high, the pastor couldn't preach. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. <laughs> Not here. <laughs> Now here, the word has to go forth. Amen. Unless the Lord specifically says, or specifically moves in such a way upon me or whoever's preaching that he says, don't preach. But it's not because y'all kept, the music kept playing and the dancing kept going and the people kept shouting and falling out that we didn't have worship. Because I'll say, oh, stop the keyboard now. It's time to preach. And usually when the music stops, a lot of folk, they stop too. Not everybody. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, yeah, I like preaching. Amen. I feel good this morning. I, I was watching something the other day. I was watching the road. And, and no, I was somewhere. I don't know. And they were, you know how people, the, the music is going and people just start dancing, dancing. And after a while, I saw this lady. She started, but after a while, you knew when it was real. You know, you knew when she, when something else had, you knew when the shift came. Yeah, shift came. Oh, my goodness. Hallelujah. It's good when the shift comes. Amen. You're not dancing just because the music is going. You're dancing because there's been a connection. Amen. Hallelujah. You're dancing because now, glory to God, you, 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 you begin to connect to where, where, where you realize God has moved. God has changed. God has shifted you. God does something special about this praise. I said to myself, oh, no, that one's real. I shouldn't have been judging the lady, but... Or the other people, but yeah, that one was real. <laughs> so if, if this is not true about your life, you need to make it true. I can't make it true about you. I can only make it true about me. Oh, you understand what I'm saying? You know, the teaching has gone forth, amen. Now we need to put it into practice. Our theme for this year is what? Oh, thank you for remembering. Make application. 
And that's what we're saying. We got to make application of this. Amen. Now, after Jesus spoke to his disciples on that day, the Bible records he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from the sight. They had the charge. They'd been charged. They had the authority and they had the empowerment. Now it was in time, it was time for them to engage in God's real life, real time mission. Boot camp was over. Orientation had been completed. It was time to go to work. Time to go to work. Amen? Uh, They were going to learn more, and they did. Amen? However, from this point forward, it will be OJT, on-the-job training. Yeah, yeah. Real life, in real life. And what God wants to use you now is in real life. Real time. Meaning that when God moves right here, right now, this is the time you engage with God in what he's doing. Yeah. Now, saints, we have three. We have three outreach opportunities that we are about to engage in. Out of these three, every one of us, every one of us <clears throat> in TOP should engage in at least one of them. Are you hearing me? Amen. Every one of us, there should not be any excuse over these three upcoming opportunities for any one of us not to have participated, not to have engaged in this. It's time out for us, for the Lord, giving us work to do, and some of us stay at home all of the time. So you set your schedule. That's what you do. You set your schedule to be a part of what is happening in ministry. Amen. Amen. If you got up that, if you get up that morning and your arthritis is acting up, rub down with some cream. Because, or take a Tylenol or something. And, you know, and that's what you do anyway. You don't just decide not to go to work because you're in pain. You take something, you get up and go on to work. And by the time you get there, the pain is gone. Because you took a painkiller. Now, that's for those who don't, who don't, believe in faith and laying hands on, on themselves and, 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 and believe in God for healing, okay? But you don't stay back because you, you, one of the things that you realize is that what Satan does is that when it's time for work, Satan moves because he wants to stop you from getting the blessing of being a part of what God is doing. Yep, so every time, you know, somebody got up this morning and they were in severe pain and they said, I'm not making it to church today. Because I'm in too much pain. That was at 6 or 7 o'clock this morning. Worship didn't start until 9. Amen. Am I talking about something that, that, I, that, 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 that I heard? No, I'm talking about something that I know. You know, I'm almost 70 years old. You know, the older you get, the more pains you feel. But let me tell you something about pain. Sometimes you got to push through the pain. Amen. And then you got to, then you got to, you got to begin to analyze yourself and ask, now, why am I in this pain? So, you know, what's been happening lately is that I've been having pain right here in my joints. But you know what, what I'm doing? I, I, I know what I'm doing. So rather than sitting at, sitting at a desk and a desk chair to, to study and to write, I'm sitting at the dining room table and a dining room chair which is not designed for you to sit for hours. And the chair is designed for you to go eat your dinner 
or eat your meal and get up and go do something else. So the longer I sit there, the more pain I'm in. So what I do is get up and go for a walk. I walk long enough, I'm going to walk through the pain. Amen. You just don't let pain stop you. Because if you let pain, and it doesn't have to be pain. It can be something else you're going through. It can be something that you're going through mentally or emotionally. You know, I don't know how the Lord has been showing me this, and I heard this a long time ago. But over the last few days, I've been seeing this, this, this realist people talking about how uh, the only animal that will attack an eagle is a crow. And a crow will light on the eagle's back and begin to peck on the eagle's neck. But the eagle doesn't, the eagle doesn't fall. The eagle doesn't try to fight back. What the eagle does is the eagle just goes higher. And, and then it gets so high that the crow can't breathe. And the crow has to let go. What are you saying, Bishop? What we have to do as believers is not get stopped by what we're going through. We just need to go higher. Because the higher in God we go, the devil has to let go. Amen. The devil can't hold on to us. The devil can't stop us. What we're doing is we are getting caught up in where we are and we are staying on a certain level. You can't stay on that level. You can't stay on that level. You got to go higher. You got to go higher. You go higher in prayer. You go higher in the word of the Lord. You go higher in worship. You go higher in the fellowship of believers. You push through whatever it is you're going through and you soar higher in the Lord. Uh, and you watch those things begin to fall off your life. So, so I expect, you know, I started to say God expects, but God said, you the pastor, you tell the people. I expect during these missional engagements, during movie night, during VBS, when we do the outreach of PATH and any other opportunities present to us, I expect your missional engagement. Amen. I expect your missional engagement. Amen. And you tell the rest of us who are not here this morning, Bishop says he expects your missional engagement. Now, you know, there's another opportunity that presents itself to us every Sunday. We may not see this as missional, but it's missional. Every Sunday we pray for nations in the 1040 window. Why do we pray for nations? Because one of the things that has to go with the mission of God is prayer. So believers around the world engage on a daily basis, not just on Sunday, and praying through the 1040 window. The 1040 window is that area of the world where Christianity is not the major religion or not the major faith. And in many of those places, there's no preacher. They've never had an opportunity for an evangelist. There's no radio. There's no internet. So they don't have the opportunity to hear the gospel. So we pray through the 1040 window that God will move, that God will change hearts. That God, we engage with God on his mission through prayer. And we give the opportunity for everybody in the congregation to participate. So from now on, we should have volunteers. Should not be the same person praying every week. Amen. And we have to get beyond. We got to get beyond. The Holy Ghost will take you beyond a whole lot of stuff. It'll take you beyond everything that hinders you. We got to get beyond, I don't know what to say. We got to get beyond, I'm nervous. When I, you're just standing up before us. You don't see those people that are watching you on Facebook. Amen. 
We have to move beyond all of these things that Satan puts in our way. Amen. If you don't know how to pray, how, then, then come to, you can come to me and say, Bishop, teach me to pray. That's what Jesus' disciples did. They said, Master, teach us to pray. When you pray, you don't have to, you don't have to thank God that last night's bed was not your cooling board. <laughs> and that the cover you covered up with was not, was not your winding sheet. You ain't got to pray that. We give you the prayer request. All you got to do is pray what's given to you. Amen. Amen. Opportunities for you to engage in every time, every time you step up to the plate. When those men, when, when, when Peter and John went to the temple at the hour of prayer, they were asked for something they, that they didn't have, but they said, what we have, we give to you. They had never seen a man heal God using them to heal someone, but what they said was, what we have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus, they did what they saw their master do. They took him by the hand. And guess what? God moved. God here. So if they had if they had shied away, if they had said, we don't know what to do. Jesus is not with us physically. I mean, he'd been here all the time and we've been watching him. Oh, we saw him do great things. But I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. If they had walked away, not only would the man have not been healed, God would have used somebody else to heal them, but they would not have been strengthened in their faith. They would not have been. So every time, every time God uses you, it strengthens you. It gives you more boldness. But God is not going to push you out of your seat for you to be moved. You got to step up. Are you hearing real life, real time? Amen. Got to step up. Amen. And, and there are enough of us who talk, and you hear us talking, you hear me preach just about every Sunday. You hear us pray. If you don't know how to pray, you listen to the other people. And I want to ask you, if you don't know how to pray, what you doing every day? Huh? Who are you talking to every day? You don't know how to pray? And you're a follower of Jesus? Who are you having your conversations with? But Bishop, that's different. That's just me and the Lord. Well, when you stand to pray, what is, what's the difference? This is you and the Lord. You're talking to the Lord. You ain't talking to me. I know some people get it mixed up. You know, you hear people praying and they start talking. To, they start talking to the people. <laughs> but that's a part of the training process. You learn. You don't talk to the people. You talk to God. Let me go on with this message. Amen. Praise the Lord. I've seen people, I've seen folk go on the mission field. Amen. Never spoken, uh, gave a sermon before and have to get up and give a sermon. They said, they get all nervous and they don't know. But they do it. They do it. Now they've been strengthened to do it again. Uh, is anybody in the house? Amen. I'm not asking you to preach. No, 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 no. I can't give you 30 minutes now. No. <laughs> you ain't ready for 30 minutes. But you're ready to minister to someone one-on-one. -on -one. You're ready to engage that person on your job. You're ready to engage that person in Walmart. You're ready to engage that person at the theme park. You're ready. 
You are. It starts with a normal conversation. The Holy Spirit began to speak to you. Real life. So here's some things that we have to remember. So I can, I can, amen. First of all, and I'm reiterating something here. This is God's mission that we have been called to. All right. It's not my mission. All right. It's God's mission. It's a mission to reconcile people to him so that their lives are built on a solid foundation and so that they can help others in the very same process. So we're not, we're not trying to win people to Christ just so they can be saved. You got to think of the end result. You got to think of the end result of salvation. Think about what God did for you. Okay, so, so, so the Bible says in the beginning, Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning. So the process starts with God. The most, the solid foundation, the only sure and solid foundation for anyone's life is that their life is built on God. We started the book, Life on Mission, okay? Willis and Cole stated in the book, these first words of scripture revealed the ultimate foundation for life. Listen now. God alone is worth our worship. Nothing else in this world can satisfy the longings of the human heart. Nothing else. Nothing else. Boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, money, education, power, sex, pleasure, nothing else will satisfy the longing of the human heart. When you deal with the heart, you're dealing with will, mind, and emotion. Nothing but God, amen, can satisfy the longings of the human heart. But most people don't. Many people, I won't say more, many people don't know this. Okay, They should know it, but they don't know it. People are not worshiping God, the God of heaven. They're worshiping other things. And they're looking for fulfillment in other things, but they're not finding it. Just think about it. Think about it. People are looking for fulfillment in people. You get married so you can get, be happy. You think that person is going to fulfill everything that you've been looking for in your life and that person fails you. Then you're left despondent, discouraged, ready to give up. People are looking for fulfillment in careers. They want more money and they think they're going to be happy because they have more money. Let, let me tell you something. Television will fool you. Television will fool you. Now, I am not a soap opera proponent, but if you watch soap operas, you watch those rich people on television, and you see the kind of immoral lives they live. They try this person and that person, the next person, and mama had this one and daughter had that one and all that foolishness. So they, apparently, they what y'all laughing for? Apparently, they didn't find fulfillment. Because once you find fulfillment, you don't need anybody else. Once you're fulfilled, there's no void. There's no emptiness there for you to find someone else. People go from one job to the next job. This job didn't make them happy. They're going to find another. And, and sometimes you do have to do that in the process of trusting God. But your fulfillment is never going to be on a job. 
Money? Well, you have to watch out for inordinate affection for money because the Bible says the love of money is what? Ooh, yes. If you love money too much, you don't have to be a millionaire to do evil stuff. You don't have to be in the world to do evil things when it comes to your love for money. You can be right up in the church and you love money too much, you will do some underhanded stuff to get money, especially if you're in a leadership position. Apparently, money is not the answer. Amen. Money is not the thing. On none of these things, what did Jesus say? Seek first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness and what? So all the money you need will be added. Amen. The person you need will be added. Amen. The job you need will be added. Amen. The happiness you need will be added. The joy you need will be added. All these things will be added unto you. So, But most people don't know this. Most people don't know this, that the foundation, the true foundation, this is what we got to get to. We've got to, we've got to understand that the solid foundation, the reason, the reason that we are happy, the reason that we have joy is because our lives is built on a solid foundation. It's not built on a shaky foundation. So because my life is built on a solid foundation, trouble can come in my life. It doesn't move me. Mm, it, doesn't, it doesn't make me lose my mind. It doesn't make me throw in the towel. Things can happen in the, in the body of Christ. But because my life is built on a solid foundation, it doesn't make me reject the, the fellowship of believers. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people, that people are worshiping other things. People are worshiping people. They're worshiping things. They're worshiping their jobs. They're worshiping their cars. You know, all of the stuff that people are worshiping. Their lives, like ours was, has been broken by humanity's selfish pursuit of sin. The people don't believe the gospel. Their minds have been blinded by Satan. And so they selfishly pursue self and sin. Like the people who gathered in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost, many have a knowledge of God, but they don't have a personal relationship with God. <laughs> they, they are engaged in formality. They're engaged in ritual and they're engaged in fulfilling religious duty. But there's no personal relationship with God. Those people had not met the Savior. Amen. They had not had the encounter with the Savior. They might have been faithful Jews. You can be a faithful church member and not have an encounter with Jesus. Oh, yes. You can do all of the right things because it's the right thing to do but not know Jesus personally. Yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. They need to know God. These people are around us every day. They are around us every day. You work with them. If you're in school, you go to school with them. You live in the house with them, some of us. 
They don't know Christ. They don't know Christ. They need to know God, who in the beginning, he didn't come later and, and, and do this. God, the sure foundation, God. There, and, and secondly, there is only one hope for humanity today. We've got to understand this. Psychology is not your hope. Thank God for psychology. Psychiatry is not your hope. Thank God for psychiatry. Medicine is not your hope. Thank God for medicine. There is only one hope for humanity today. All right? Despite all of the education, all of the technology, all of the medical knowledge, all of the wealth that there is in the world, there is only one hope that fulfills every longing, every void spot, amen, every empty space, amen? There's only one every that fills every nook and every corner of a person's life. That only hope. For he manages the hope that's found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Gospel means good news. The good news is that Messiah has come. Amen? He was crucified and he was buried. But on the third day, God raised him from the dead. Amen? To reconcile humanity to God. This is the message of hope that we give to the world. Jesus is alive. He's the only one who can restore us to that proper foundation of life. He's the only one who can reconcile us to the true and the living God. Of course, you know, people today, you know, they don't know they need God, so we got to help them find out they need God. Amen? So I want to, you know, maybe this will help people when it comes to hope that Christ provides. He's the hope for rejected children. Hmm? For when the disciples were going to push the children away, Jesus said, uh-uh, suffer the little ones to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. You got to understand, people are pushing children away. People are, people are substituting Christ and, and religious training for, 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 for games and, 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 and videos and, 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 and cartoons. And they're, they're not talking about Jesus. And people are abusing children and neglecting children. But Jesus said, suffer. The little ones that come unto me for such is the kingdom of heaven. He's a hope for the demon possessed. Amen. For he went to a cemetery one day to cast a legion of demons out of a man who was filled with them. Amen. Yeah. Some people are filled with demons and medicine can't help them. Some people have been influenced by Satan. They've been pulled away. Some people were brought up in the church knowing God, knowing scriptures. They have allowed Satan to pull them away. Jesus is hope. He went to the cemetery. He's hope. He's hope for people who spoil their reputations by engaging in immoral things. One day he went by well. Yeah, there was a woman there that he had to meet. She spoiled her reputation. She had five husbands, and now she had a man that wasn't even a husband. The women wouldn't even go. She, wasn't, she didn't feel comfortable going to the well when the other women of the town went. But Jesus went by the well because he had to meet that woman. And when she had that encounter with Jesus, 
Hallelujah. The Bible says she dropped her water pots and she went running into the city to tell the people, come and see a man who told me everything I've done. Could this be the Messiah? Apparently that woman in that encounter with Jesus that day was reconciled to God. Jesus is hope. When we were in Ghana, we were preaching every night I was preaching. We were in this area where there was a big prostitute population. And prostitutes were coming to the crusades. We started preaching about hope. And he's, Jesus doesn't reject you because you are a prostitute. He hates the sin, but he doesn't hate the sinner. He loves you. He wants to draw you to him. And right now in our church in Ghana, there are several women who are in prostitution who've come out of prostitution. They've given their lives to Jesus. He's hope, I said. Jesus is hope. Amen. So we're not just talking about you going and talking to me, oh, you need Jesus. No, no, no. Folk are going through. The banker is going through. Amen. The real estate agent is going through. The doctor is going through. The teacher is going through. Amen. Your classmate is going through. Amen. People need the hope that Jesus has. Jesus was hope for the dead. <laughs> Hallelujah. Those who die. Amen. I'm not praying for the dead, but listen to me. Amen. Those who die believing in him. For when Lazarus died, he went to the tomb three days later. Hallelujah. And he raised Lazarus from the dead. But most importantly, when Jesus was crucified, on the third day, God raised him from the dead with all power in his hands. Amen. Amen. He is hope, I tell you today. There may be some dead things in your life. Dead hopes, dead dreams, dead visions. Amen. If they're worthy, the Lord will raise them up. You are not a hopeless person. Your hope is in Jesus. Amen. The only hope is in the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. And lastly, 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 on God's mission with the gospel of hope, you and I, have the message. You and I have the message. You got the message. Jesus told his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. What are you witnessing to? Jesus said, you're going to witness about me. You're going to talk about what I taught you. You're going to talk about what I've trained you in. You're going to talk this word that I placed inside of you. Saints, you and I have the message. We have the message. Holy Spirit has come. Holy Spirit lives in each one of us. We have power. We have authority. And we have the message. The message is that Jesus is the good news that people need. We, don't, we may not have silver, we may not have gold, but we do have Jesus, and we have his message. You may not have money to give that person that's struggling financially, but God will give you a word to give to them that will help them in their situation. God will place you in their lives to, 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 to cause you to bring encouragement to them. You have the message. Romans chapter 10, verse 8 
says the word is near you. It is even in your mouth and in your heart. That is a message of faith that we proclaim. That's why I said earlier, you can't have been a part of this church for any long time and say you don't know what to say. You got the message. You got the message. One of the things that I did Wednesday night, and I shared this on our Bible study, so as we're talking about, you know, uh, apologetics, and I heard Elder Hoskins say this, we're talking about apologetics. One of the things is we have to develop our apologetic. You got to write stuff down. You got to write it down. So what are you going to say? You've been sitting under the word, okay, and, 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 and you know that you have the message. You've been taught the word. There's no excuse for you not knowing the word. You may not know how to frame it. So when you have some free time in your devotional time, you sit down and frame what you're going to say. Write it down. Write it down. So we've been talking about the history of the black church and how we're going to answer Hebrew Israelites and other people who say that the church has been ineffective, that the church is regressive, that the church that, that has no relevance for today. So how are you going to address this when you're confronted with it? How are you going to say, you got to write it down? You got to write it down. You got the message. You got the message. Yeah. And since we have the message, it's incumbent upon us that we proclaim the message. It's required. We don't have a pass. It's required that we share the message. We are a priesthood of believers. We are. So it's not just the bishop. It's not just the elders or the ministers. Every one of us, a priest, to share the message, to minister the message. You can stop right in Walmart. Doesn't matter who's watching. You ain't got to go find a corner somewhere. Just stop right where you are and just pray for that person. You got what to say. You know how to pray. Right in the middle of the airport, somebody got a need. You stop right there and pray. You ain't got to be hucking and bucking. And just pray. You know, there's some religious stuff we've learned that don't go along with faith. You don't have to do all of that. Just pray. There's no certain tune you got to have to talk to your daddy. Just talk to him. Just talk to him. The Great Commission is not for a select few. It's for everyone who follows Jesus. The Great Commission is not for a select few. It's for everyone who follows Jesus. It's time for us, saints, 100% of us, to engage with God on his mission. My father is always working, even to this very day. I am working too. Jesus is not with us physically. He's already ascended into heaven, but Holy Spirit is with us every day, every day, every second, every moment of the day. He's with you. He wants to use you. He wants to use you to engage with him in what God is doing in this world. Amen. Let's stand.
Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it does not return to you void, but it accomplishes all that you desire. Thank you that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. Thank you for sending your word to us today. Thank you, Lord, that we commit ourselves to engaging with you in the work that you're doing today and every day because you're always working. We're joining you in your work. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I pray that if there's anyone today who needs to give their lives to you, Lord, today, that you will draw them. I pray that if there's any backslider who needs to rededicate his or her life to you, that you will draw them now, that they will respond to this call and give their lives to you. Thank you, Lord, for strengthening us. Thank you for, for, for reminding us and reconfirming in many of us the things that we know are true and are right that we're supposed to be doing as your disciples in this world. As I pray, I pray for every believer in this house today. Thank you for your anointing us upon our lives. Whatever individual struggles we may be going through, you care about us and what we go through. Help us not to get focused in on where we are, but help us to soar higher like the eagle and engage with you and what you're doing in this world and see you move to deliver and set us free from every struggle and every pain and every issue that tends to be trying to hold us back. Thank you, Lord. I speak your blessings over your people now. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If there's anybody today you'd like to give your life to Jesus if you're watching us online and you've heard this message, you'd like to give your life to Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity to do so. There's a place for you in God's kingdom. You see, God created the heavens and the earth. Satan did not. Everything that's in this world, God created it. So God created everything for himself. God created you for him. Whether you have realized that or given your life to him or not, it's important for you to understand that God created you for him. And that's where you find, that's where you develop that solid foundation. And that's where you find fulfillment in your relationship with God. Will you give your life to Jesus today? And if you are a backslider, Will you come? Will you rededicate your life to Jesus? All of the stuff that's out there, it is not, you don't, you're not going to find fulfillment. You're going to keep on doing this, searching, 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 searching. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. There's anybody else that would like to rededicate or like to connect with this ministry. Will you come now? Will you come now? Will you come? Is there anybody else? This is where in God, in God. Listen, you're not going to find perfect people in the, in the body of Christ because we've all sinned and we've all come short of God's glory. But what you find is people who, who, who've given their lives to Christ and who are dedicated to living for Christ and, 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 and who are trusting Christ every day to sustain us, to keep us, to help us keep soaring higher and higher and higher. But if we not come if we'd not started the process, we wouldn't be where we are today. You gotta get started. 
You can't keep putting it off. You got to get started. You got to get started. Will you? I ask you today, is there anyone else? And if you're watching us online and you want to rededicate your life or you want to give your life to Christ, if you would just make a comment right now, somebody's watching the screen. You put your information there. Give us your name. Give us your contact information so that we can follow up with you. And we'll do that today. We'll follow up with you today. Or you can write to us on our website and we will follow up with you today. The important thing is make the connection. Get started. Amen? So that you can grow in the Lord. Amen? Amen. If you're watching me online and you've never given your life to Christ and you want to do that today, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. Lord, I've been searching and searching and searching and I've not found fulfillment in life. But I heard the preacher say that my fulfillment will come when I give my life to you. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and to reconcile me to God. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Save me from my sin. I place my trust in you. I give you my life today. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Amen. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well and give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.